Hello, friends. Wherever you're joining us from today, we're just so thankful you've joined in this online liturgy. And as is the case in each weekend of the season of Easter, the high point of this liturgy is a meal of communion that I'll invite us to receive together out of our teaching. And we're continuing today in our teaching series that we've called Grant Us Wisdom, Lord, in which we're just seeking God's wisdom on some of the significant questions, uncertainties, and challenges that we might face in this life of following Jesus. And so today, we're considering the challenge of pornography. Now, why talk about pornography? And why talk about it during COVID? Well, the topic of this teaching series, they were actually prepared and lined up before COVID even began. But also, as studies have shown, online pornography use has jumped noticeably during COVID. And it's of enough concern societally that we still believed we needed to address the topic, in part because we are just so aware of the devastation it is causing in lives, in relationships, and in marriages. Now, just to give you some sense of this, the stats explain that 90% of young men in North America and 34% of young women report using pornography with some regularity. And just one of the world's largest pornography websites, just one, reported it gets 2.4 million visitors per hour. And that in one year alone, people around the globe watched 4.4 trillion hours of that website's content. That's just one website. And to give some perspective on that, 4.4 trillion hours, that's more than twice as long as Homo sapiens have been on this planet. Okay, so on one hand, we consider this topic, and rightly, we look to Scripture for guidance. And as we do, we're aware of what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew chapter 5. And as we hear it, friends, remember, this is a word of God. And so Jesus said this. This is from Matthew 5, beginning in verse 27. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman or man with lustful intent has already committed adultery with them in their heart. And then we think of the Apostle Paul's exhortation. This is from 1 Corinthians 6.18. Paul said this, Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his or her own body. Okay, so that's the guidance we receive from Scripture, just some of the guidance. But you might be aware, this, it is far from being just the church or just Christ followers who are concerned about the dramatic rise of porn use over the past 20 years. In fact, secular scientists and sociologists are expressing similar concerns. Just for example, Dr. Nico Tinbergen, a Nobel Prize winning scientist. Dr. Neumann Doig from Columbia University, a team of scientists from Princeton University, have expressed their significant warnings about this. And then former British Prime Minister David Cameron and then numerous state legislators in the U.S. have declared the use of pornography to be a public health crisis. In part because, as they've noted, over 85 peer-reviewed studies link porn use to poor mental and emotional health. 
And that even three hours of porn use a week can cause a noticeable reduction in gray matter in key areas of the brain. And these are secular studies. And I want to be so clear on this today. Our intent today is not to just bring shame or condemnation to those who are in bondage pornography. I mean, as James noted last weekend for us, Romans 8 reminds us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Rather, even in this message, we just want to point to pathways of health, of healing, of overcoming in this. And now you might be thinking, okay, but porn use isn't an issue for me. And, and we're thankful for that. But can I encourage you to listen and take notes on this talk so you can walk with and support others who might be struggling with pornography, whether it be a friend or a family member? Okay, so to address this topic today, uh, we invited Daniel Komori to join with us. And Daniel is the Associate Executive Director of Journey Canada. And Journey Canada is a ministry focused on leading individuals to experience spiritual, emotional, sexual health, really health of body, mind, and soul through the love of God expressed in Jesus Christ. And before joining the staff of Journey Canada, Daniel for many years was a pastor. He and his wife, Tanya, have three children. And so let's move to our discussion with Daniel. Daniel, it is great to have you here. So appreciate you joining with us as we're considering uh, this very significant topic. And as we have talked about before, know that this topic is a personal one for you as mm -hmm. it is for many of us. Can you share about your own journey in trying to find health regarding pornography? Yeah, uh, thanks Clyde and uh, thanks for inviting me to be here and to talk about this. Um, yeah, for me, my struggle with pornography began when I was young, when I was about 12 years old. Uh, I had seen kind of pornography a little bit before that, but when I was 12, my oldest brother uh, drowned. Uh, he died when he was 17, when he just graduated high school. So for me, in that place of pain as a 12-year-old kid, uh, porn presented itself as this enticing thing to kind of escape my pain, really. Real life was too difficult, and so I, I lost myself kind of in these images and my imagination of pornography. But as an adolescent, you know, I, I had these growing desires for intimacy. I didn't know who I was. And so all of those kinds of questions got funneled into mm. pornography as well. So I began to seek it for many other things, not just escape, but to deal with my loneliness, to deal with inadequacies, to deal with, you know, feeling rejected at school or whatever. And so it be began to be this thing that I turned to more and more. And I didn't understand it at the time as a, as a kid, but looking back, it makes sense. Yeah. But what happened was it began to be this addiction that I, I wanted to stop at many points and I just couldn't. And that continued from adolescence into young adulthood, into going to Bible college, into getting married, then becoming a pastor. Just this pattern of being pulled towards pornography, not wanting to do it, hating it, hating myself, crying out to God, but then entering into it again. And it became this pattern of just addiction to pornography that then became, as I look back, this thread throughout my life that was just mm -hmm. kind of constantly there, kind of slow, slowly in some ways, but in, uh, you know, destroying my life and putting me in bondage. So that's right. a bit of my own experience yeah. with it. And, and your story is similar to ones we have heard from many uh, before. Yeah. We've noted a bit of the statistics, but 
how prevalent is pornography use today? Yeah, I mean, I would honestly describe it as epidemic. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, you mentioned some of the stats before, but most statistics generally kind of say about 70, 80% of men struggle to some degree with pornography and about 30% of women. So it's definitely not a men's issue. You know, women struggle with this as well. And, uh, you know, the access to it is just, you know, continuing to get easier and easier. Um, a really popular pornography site uh, now says about 75% of their access now is through people's phones. And so it's not just laptops, it's, you know, people's mobile devices that they kind of carry with them all the time is the main mm. source of access to now to pornography. And we're seeing that younger and younger kids are being exposed to porn. So I'm, I'm just over 40 and pe people I talk to that are my age, they kind of say, you know, they, they first were introduced to it around, you know, 12 years old, 13 years old, somewhere around there, but really common now where you see eight, nine years old, even younger than that, just because of people's access to pornography and how sexualized our culture is really. I mean, this is about, you know, the super saturation of sex kind of in every sphere of our life. And so the exposure to it is just immense and, and many people just get addicted to it, get really warped by kind of how much they're exposed to pornography. So absolutely epidemic, I would say. And, and we realize in our day, many view pornography as being kind of innocuous. Some mm -hmm. even think it's something of a benefit for use in relationships. Yeah. Why is pornography use so damaging? Yeah, I mean, there are so many reasons I can kind of give yeah. or ways that I see it kind of playing out in negative ways. Um, you know, as I think about people that I know and even in my own life, a couple of things I'll mention. Uh, the first one is, you know, pornography and the use of it really kind of distorts and scrambles what you understand intimacy to be. Because when you're, you're looking at images of, of people and, and their nakedness, really, which is, you know, some of our most vulnerable parts of our, ourselves, and so we get this understanding of, is this intimacy? Is this love? And we get it confused with sex. We get confused about what is this supposed to fulfill in me? And so we get these really confusing messages that then begin to scramble our own understanding of where do I seek out love? Where do I seek out intimacy? Is intimacy only to be found in sex? Do I have to have a sexual experience to be happy? And so, so many of our ideas about sex and intimacy kind of get distorted. And that was absolutely true for me where I was just so scrambled in my search for love, my understanding of, of what sex was supposed to fulfill in me. And that happened before I was, uh, before I was married and even into marriage, now that I was having sex, like it, what place is it supposed to have? What am I supposed to reach this place of bliss now that I'm having sex? And so a lot of distortions about what intimacy is, but also, uh, yeah, you know, maybe even more devastating is how dehumanizing pornography is. Because if you think about it, you're really interacting with just an image of somebody, just their body, not who they are as an emotional person, as a relational person, not who they are as a daughter or as a brother or as a mother, just who are you in your mm. body. And so we dehumanize people because you're only looking at them through that lens. And it, pornography really is this lens of consuming people. I'm, I'm looking at this or using this simply for my own benefit. So I'm learning actually how to simply consume people for my pleasure. And that begins to dehumanize people. We, we begin to look at people only through that lens of their body. And I know that's, it began to affect me in that way. I began to just look at people in terms of their sexual attractiveness, or I would just look at them to lust over them. And so you begin to dehumanize people 
But then I began to feel dehumanized. I, I didn't know how to relate to people as a full three-dimensional person because I was so used to just thinking and using people two-dimensionally, so to speak. So I didn't know how to have intimacy with people because so much of my, my fantasy and my imagination was used in consuming people. And mm -hmm. so it really, pornography dehumanizes how we see people and then it kind of dehumanizes us. I mean, I could talk about many consequences of pornography, but those are two big ones that I see in yeah. people and I experienced in my own life. Wow. Yeah. And we already mentioned it already, the, the role of shame that's connected to pornography use and realize even for some listening even, the shame they feel might even keep them from hearing what we're actually saying today. Yeah. Uh, can you speak to that, the role that shame plays both in pornography use and in keeping people in bondage to it. Yeah, uh, this is huge. Shame is a huge part of what keeps people in bondage to pornography. I mean, the message of shame is there's something wrong with me. There's something absolutely distorted about me. There's something deficient about who I am. I need to hide this. Nobody can see this. And shame, the message of shame can lead us to seek porn, but because we use porn, it, it causes shame. So it's kind of this vicious cycle yes. of, of how shame attaches itself to pornography use. Um, but what shame does then, it keeps us isolated because we tend to think then, well, I'm the only one. Shame kind of tells us there's something about you that is especially distorted. So don't share this with anybody. Don't share this with your spouse or your friends or anybody at church because they'll reject you or, you know, you, you like don't do that with your shame. And so what it does and it, it, it keeps people in bondage because they don't even want to share their struggles then. They think it's just about me and, and I got to do this on my own, which is the exact opposite thing people generally need. We, we need the support of other people, but because of shame, we tend to do it alone. And so I meet people all the time who said they've worked so hard at this. They've, they've tried so many things, but it's really been alone. They've been reading books alone. They've been watching YouTube videos or TED Talks alone, listening to podcasts alone. And they're putting in all this effort, but because of their shame, they never break out of that to actually find support from other people, which is a huge part of the process, which yeah. is a huge part of this, but shame keeps them in isolation. You know, and it just goes back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? We we feel shame, so we cover up, we hide from God, we hide from people, and we keep it to ourselves. And this is the state that pornography addiction oftentimes leaves people. There's so much shame attached to it that they dare not share. And so they remain kind of in bondage and isolated. So it's a, it's a huge part of what causes pornography addiction and what keeps people in bondage uh, mm. alone. Yeah, absolutely. And that connects knowing there'd be some joining in today listening that have likely tried to break out of pornography use or its bondage, uh, but they feel trapped in it or feel like they've failed along the way, yeah. uh, both from your own experience and your own counseling. Yeah. What are some of the key elements in breaking free and finding health in this? Yeah, I mean, I know this is only a, a short message and I could literally talk about this for hours. Yeah. What are some of the key things, you know, for myself and for other people? I mean, number one, I just mentioned it. You need to connect with other people. Uh, this, I've never met a single person who said, I've been able to battle this and figure this out on my own. Not a single person, right? And if Can they've said that, that again? yeah, I've never met a single person who's overcome this. If this has been a key issue of struggle yes. in their life, I've never met anybody who said they finished, they, they overcame this alone. Uh, and so you need to find other people to kind of walk with this in, the, in this journey. Like open up your heart, share what this is about. Find people who actually have some experience in dealing with this. And walk with other people. Yeah. I, I've been doing accountability for close to about 20 years in my life. Yeah. 
And at first I thought this is going to be, be a, for a season until I finish with this mm. sin. But I, over the years, I've realized I'm going to struggle with this probably for the rest of my life. And I'm going to need people for the rest of my life to actually encourage me, to keep me accountable, people I can confess things to, keep people I can confess my struggles and temptations with. So that's number one. You have to, like, that's the starting point. You know, many people wait, 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 wait before they even get there. Yeah. That's the starting point of where a lot of transformation can start to begin. So number one, Start to connect with people, with a friend, with a pastor, somebody who's safe. Go to a group. Start to learn how to share this with other, other people. Realize that you are not going to die in sharing this with other yeah. people. Number one. Number two, a long haul kind of thing as well, but it's to, to know your heart. I mean, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, lust begins in the heart. And so we have to have practices that enable us to understand our own hearts. I mean, the Bible says the, the heart is deceptive above all else and who knows their own heart. And so we need practices like, like journaling. You know, this is my journal. You know, at times when, I, when I'm struggling with temptation and I'm wondering, what is this about and what's going on in my life? Because for me, it's often been about coping. Pornography is what I use to cope with how I feel and, and, and frustrations or, or difficulties. And so I need to get out my journal and start writing like, God, what's going on for me? And starting to listen to my own heart, seeking times of silence, solitude, of just saying, what's going on with me? Because oftentimes it's pornography is the manifestation of, of disruptions in the heart that we're trying to cope with. And so we have to kind of look at what's going on for me. So embracing some of those practices, learning some of those rhythms where you learn to listen to yourself, slow down, um, attend to your heart. I mean, that's a lifelong thing as well, but to begin to kind of incorporate those practices, you have to do that um, in order to kind of gain, you know, in a sense, victory over this over the long haul because it begins there. So those are two things I would definitely recommend uh, in terms of trying to seek out healing and, and victory in this area of your life. And how, for parents who have kids, if they are open about it, walking through this, is there any guidance you'd give for parents? Say, here's ways you can walk with your children. You've mentioned some of the steps, but yeah. any counsel on that? Yeah, no, I have uh, kids myself, and so, and so talk about it. I mean, it's really important how we talk about sexuality. And you mentioned shame as a big one. I mean, for many of us, we, we struggle with shame because our parents never talked about this uh. or talked about it in such a way like with those people, right? Yeah. And, if the, and if we're those people, then we feel shame about it. So as parents, can we talk you know, honestly, you know, and not with, and, and not with this huge dump of information, but just talk about sexuality, talk about what we're seeing on television, talk mm -hmm. about, talk about that and talk about, you know, why some of these ways that we talk about people or, or certain ways of joking, et cetera, are, are not actually appropriate and, and why they're kind of consuming people or why it's, why it's a way that's demeaning to people. And so some of our own language at home of how we are exposed to this is big because it's you don't have to wait for an opportunity to talk about sexuality. I mean, it's turn on television; yeah. it's there. You know, go to walk to, walk in the mall, etc. I mean, we have constant opportunities to talk to our children about sexuality and about pornography, about the sexualization of people in in media, and so it's, it, that's a really important thing to do so that they can begin to kind of understand what they're thinking and the messages and interpret what they're seeing, right? Mm. Um, so that's a, a constant one, I think, as parents that we need to, to do. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and resources can be so beneficial in this whole journey of discovering healing. Mm. And 
you may know that Journey Canada has been a great partner with us over the years uh, as we've had leaders from Journey join with us, seminars, some of our own pastors being ministered beautifully through the ministry mm-hmm. of Journey. Yeah. Uh, can you share about some of the resources that are available to Journey Canada? Yeah, and so for those of you who don't know what uh, Journey Canada is as a ministry, what we do, the main thing we try to do is provide a, a, we provide courses where people can find a safe place to then talk honestly about their struggles, whatever they are, um, no matter what your issues are. You know, a really safe place to unpack those things, to speak about those things freely, but not only then to talk about it, but to then encounter God kind of in those deep places of the heart. You know, and that's something that I, I personally needed. I mean, you heard my story. My, I needed to, I want to stop my struggles with pornography, but my pornography issues were about deeper issues in my life. And so for me, going on a journey, I found a place where I not only could talk about my struggles with pornography, but some of the deeper underlying issues behind that. You know, some of my, my pain, trauma that I experienced, my, my own view of myself, my self-hatred. Like all these things that were so deeply, so deep under the layers. And yet, and in a place like Journey, I found a place where I could talk about that. Like we run courses that are you know, six weeks in length that are kind of an introductory course or an 18-week course, providing a place where on a weekly basis we come together and have a time of worship, teaching, small groups, letting people just be honest and unpack what's happening in their soul. So that's kind of the the main thing that we provide as a ministry is that kind of safe place for people to go and speak honestly, connect with God, connect with other people, and, and hit some of those deeper issues in their life, which I think ultimately you need to do in order for there to be transformation. You can't just keep cutting off the weeds, so to speak. Yeah. You've got to get at the roots and some of those deeper issues. So that particularly is what Journey Canada does for people. And can you mention the, your website address where individuals can check out resources, other ways to connect? Yeah, www.journeycanada.org. And if you want to contact me, I mean, it's daniel at journeycanada.org. So. And just so you're aware, additionally, for us as a church body, in addition to the resources of uh, Journey Canada, a, a few of the next steps you could potentially take. Uh, we have some support groups starting up on this topic. We have two men's groups starting up for those that are wanting to overcome uh, the battle with pornography. Uh, secondly, uh, there's Triple X Church that provides online support groups if you'd rather take that step first. Additionally, counseling. Uh, If we can help you connect with counseling, whether as an individual or couples on this, just email care at southviewchurch.com. We'd love to help you connect with a counselor. Or even fourthly, contact one of our pastors. Uh, Let us know. And and women, if you'd like to, you can contact Jane Burnham, our pastor of Compassion Care, or Justine Lofgren, our pastor of Women's Ministries. Uh, We'd love to help you in these ways. And we're seeking to find uh, clarity on this. And truly in it, we want it to be okay to not be okay. That we all come with brokenness and we are all still seeking health in our path in different ways of life. Daniel hadn't planned on asking this question, but wonder for you and Tanya and for individuals here, uh, knowing that if there's one spouse in a marriage struggling with pornography, There's a pain and journey for the other spouse as well. Yep. How have you and Tanya walked through this? Yeah, it's a good question. And uh, I'll say not easy. I mean, uh, honestly, it was an issue that I thought would go away when we got married. I thought, you know, once I have sex, this struggle's not going to be there yeah. anymore. But it definitely was because it had nothing to do with sex. It was about how I coped with my 
emotions. And so when it came into our marriage, it uh, brought a lot, a lot of pain. I mean, it brought up a lot of issues for my wife and her own past and her own struggles with her own sexuality. And so it actually caused us both to seek healing. I mean, both of us went to the journey course at the same time because we both began to realize because of my issue that both of us had issues that we couldn't actually fix ourselves. And, you know, and I think maybe we all inherently know that in marriage that we can't fix each other, but uh, it's painful when you get to that place where you both realize you're so broken, but that's where it kind of brought us. And so both of us had to learn how to process our own baggage, so to speak, but then learn how to do this together, like learning about sharing when we're struggling, learning about confessing when we fail, learning about offering forgiveness, learning about trusting again. Both of us actually need people we talk to. I talked about my own accountability. My wife has people she talks to about her own struggles or how my actions affect her and how she feels that, you know, she can't process that pain with me. So she has other people. And so we're learning this dance of how do we stay rooted in God? How do we rely on other people? How do we learn to have soft hearts with each other? So it's, it hasn't been easy, but God's helped both of us as well to process this in our marriage. Yeah. And, and thanks for your transparency in that. And additionally, any final encouragement you'd want to give to the church body? Yeah, uh, my final encouragement would be, um, you know, if you, if you struggle with this, like if this is an area of your life that causes you shame, guilt, bondage, feeling less than, I just want to say that this is, this is where the gospel applies. This is the whole reason why Jesus came and died on the cross was to actually come and experience our human brokenness, our human suffering. He was stripped naked on the cross, right? He experienced shame. And he did that so that he could actually come and relate to this part of our life. Like if you struggle with pornography or whatever sin that causes you shame, this is not a reason to actually run away from God and say, well, I'm not acceptable. This is actually the very reason why Jesus came to die on the cross, to, to suffer, to experience the hardship of being a human being so that he could actually come and relate to us and love us in those places. And so these are the very places where we need to hear the gospel, which can be difficult. And so if, if pornography is an issue in your life, I just want to encourage you to hear again freshly the gospel spoken to you in that very specific area. As opposed to thinking this means you're not allowed to hear the gospel, you're outside the gospel. This is the very place God wants you to hear the gospel. And it's a very freeing word because uh, Jesus can meet you in the darkest place of your soul, yeah. in the place where you feel most unchristian. You know, this is the place yeah. where Jesus wants to meet you and maybe in a fresh way again. So right. On. That's, I'll leave it with that. Thanks so much, Daniel. And that leads beautifully into us receiving communion as a ch church body. So let's move to communion together. And thank you, Daniel. Yeah. So as we consider this topic this weekend, it fittingly reminds us that as we come to the meal of communion, we do not need to get our lives in order or fixed somehow, cleaned up, before we come to Christ. We come with all our brokenness, helplessness, and need. That's why we come to the table of communion. So whatever you're walking in, whatever challenges you're facing or burdens you have, you can come, invite you to come. So we come again to this meal, remembering, this is a meal of remembrance for what Christ has done for us. But this is a meal of receiving. As we break bread and drink from the cup, 
we receive from Christ. And Father, I would pray that in our gathering places, wherever we are gathered, as we come to bread and cup, would you feed us with this meal, Father? Spiritually speaking, nourish us with the strength of Christ for whatever we are facing in this week. And we come in faith in Jesus' name. And so I invite you, friends, to take the bread that you have with you. And if you would take that and hold that for a moment. And remember, the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and receive. And then if you take the cup that you have with you, and before you drink, remember the wonder that the blood of Christ was poured out for you. So receive from him in the cup. And oh, Father, how we thank you for your grace to us. And I would pray, Father, for my friends as they move into this week, that they would know your presence, your grace, your strength, your cleansing power through Jesus Christ. This we pray, Father, in Jesus' holy name, and all God's people say, amen. So good to be joined with you, friends, and do invite you to join with us next weekend. Next weekend, we're looking at the topic of abortion. Hope you can join with us on-site or online. Additionally, encourage you to take a look at the website resources on the topic we've considered today that might be of help to you, if it would. And as you walk into this week, whatever it does hold for you, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope this week. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. <laughs>